0: We're going to be over in the Word of God, John chapter 3. You can turn in your Bibles if you brought a Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible and a like one, we have some in the back there. If you need large print, we even have those. They're over here on this side. Uh, just raise your hand up. Lamar will help you out on on this side. Todd will help you out over on that side. And if you also want to, you can just look up on the screen. And I know many of you have the Bible app on your phones Tablets, things like that, and they're certainly fine to use as well. We're going to continue looking at questions. We're looking at questions about how. seems like a lot of times when we get in the Christian circles, we're wondering, how did this happen? How does God do this? How will this go on? But we saw that questions can stir up unbelief or help us to understand and know the plan of God. Questions born of faith, don't get God's attention. But questions born of unbelief and laziness, they don't. We're going to take a look at an encounter today that Jesus has to learn about questions. This is a story that you all are very familiar with, but it's not always one that we seem to cover here on Sunday. I couldn't find too many times. We just focused in on this, this particular story. So that's what we're going to do here today. And of course, this is everyone's favorite Pharisee, Nicodemus. We're going to take a look at that in John chapter 3. Now last week we were looking at the wedding, that the servants asked no questions. I'm just curious, how many people decided to take that verse we were talking about last week and put it up on your refrigerator? Not a soul, okay. That's all right. But at the wedding we saw that the servants asked no questions. Whatever it was asked to do, they did it. They did it despite not understanding why. Not understanding how God was going to bring this thing about. Then we looked at the first temple cleansing. And we saw that they asked questions to get the people to not focus on what Jesus was doing. Should he even be doing such things? We saw that there was a pattern that emerged. And this pattern is still in use today. You'll see this pattern. You can see the kingdom of Satan behind it. Or just evil in general. But they'll misunderstand what is said sometimes purposely sometimes accidentally they'll wrongly apply the conclusion they come to and even after it comes to light that what they did was misunderstood or wrong they will still sell it that is a pattern we showed you some places in the word of god where it was and some places where it is today but here in john chapter 3 there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus the ruler of the jews this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus comes at night. It seems that Nicodemus has a heart for God. Later on in, in life, we're going to see that he's going to question the rest of the rulers in some of their judgment of Jesus and some of the harshness they have towards Jesus. And Nicodemus brings his up and they accuse him. Are you a Galilean? Are you... Uh, and they make some accusations against him. We're not going to get into that scripture today. We're going to just mostly focus here on this one. But he comes to him at night. There is no one else around. There is no reason to think that this question is not genuine. He is not asking this question to impress anybody. He's not asking this question to show everybody, hey, I don't believe in Jesus. And look at this question I have for him to try and get him off. He is by himself. This is a legitimate question that Nicodemus has for Jesus. He is wondering about these things. He's not sure about these things. He knows if I ask him in the daytime, they're going to judge my sincerity. They're going to judge the things that I say. They're going to judge the things that I do. And I don't want to encounter that. I want to find out a genuine answer here. I want to find out what Jesus has to say. But I want you to notice something. In this particular beginning of the story, we have an answer Without a question. Isn't it interesting that Jesus gives an answer, but there is no question given? It says that Jesus answered and said, where was the question? Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Do you see a question in there? I don't see a question. So, either the question got left out, or Jesus knows that this man is asking some questions about being born again. But whatever it is, he seems to have hit the nail on the head because Nicodemus responds right away. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is new terminology for, for Nicodemus. He's not sure what this stuff is supposed to mean. Sometimes God has spoken things to us. It's new uh, a new understanding. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to understand this. And so we asked some questions. The tendency for people is that when we hear something from God, when we hear something spiritual, to interpret it in the natural. We went over this in the last couple of weeks, but you're going to see it here again. We're going to hear what is said by God. We're going to understand it in the natural realm, in the realm of which we live. That's not where you can understand this question. It's where he's going to try and understand this question, or at least start. Unless one is born again. You have to be born again in order to, to come to God. And he gets some real clear understanding about what being born again is. Now, since then, people have added to this. People have come up with all kinds of ways that we can be born again. But this is the this is the way right here. What we're going to see with here with Jesus. This is how you get born again, regardless of what anyone has told you. This is how you get born again. As Jesus is going to teach us this. So we'll look into this as we continue on. But verse four, now I want you to ask, understand this too, in this, God has and will continue to give people revelation they didn't ask for. But they've shown that they're ready for it. Have God, has God ever spoken something to you, given you a revelation? It all, it just hits you off, wow, where did that come from? And He, cause He knows that you're ready for it. You're at a spot in your life, you've pursued the things in the Word of God, you're ready for this, and He just dumps a revelation on you. Glory to God. Boy, there's are good when that happens. That may just be what's in play here. We're not sure. But in verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, that sounds like a ridiculous question. How many would say that sounds like a that's a ridiculous question? What in the world could Jesus possibly be saying these things for? But when you hear spiritual truths and try and put them to work in the natural, you will come out with some really stupid stuff. And Christians do this all the time. Trying to apply, I put this in your outline if you want to fill it in, trying to apply spiritual revelation with natural understanding. This is what he's doing. He's trying to apply spiritual revelation with natural understanding. You try and do that, you won't get very far. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot enter. Now look at this. He didn't just say be born of spirit. He said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To be born of water is to be born how? That's the natural birth. What happens when a woman is getting ready to to give birth and her water breaks? If you understand that, you also understand that phrase that is constantly misused. How many have ever heard the phrase "blood is thicker than water"? Have you heard that? Yeah, most people interpret that that relatives will stick closer to you than a friend. That is wrong. That is so not what is intended. There, we've mentioned this to you before, but in case you're new, you don't uh, don't understand what that is. Blood is referring to the blood covenant, and you would cut this not with a family member, but more often with a friend. What he is saying, what, what that phrase is saying, is blood or that which that friendship that you get that is on a covenant basis, is thicker than water. Thicker than the relationships you have with people you shared the same water of the womb. That's what it means. Blood is thicker than water. has nothing to do with your relatives. How many of you all know you have friends that will stick a whole lot closer to you than some of your relatives? Because you have built up that friendship. When you hear that phrase, that is a covenant thinking. That's not Bible. That's not in the Bible. But that's, that's covenant thinking. And that's where that phrase came from. But he said you have to be born of water. In other words, you have to be born naturally and of the Spirit. Salvation is not for those that are not born of this earth. Salvation is born is, is for people that have been born naturally on this earth. They're human. Salvation is not for extraterrestrials. All right? If there are, and there probably are, other uh, people on other planets, there very well may be, uh, just because, you know, We we only know our world doesn't mean it's the only one that's around. or God, the only one inhabited I don't know whether he did or not. But if he did, salvation plan is only for those born on this earth. Because Jesus came and died as a human, as a person here on this earth, for the people that are born of this earth and born under sin. So that's what he's talking about here. you got to be born, first of all, naturally. Be born of water. And then you need to be born of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now he's going to define this for us more. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now how many know this, just because he says it this way it doesn't mean your flesh is bad. Your flesh is not bad. Your flesh is your ticket to this earth. You get rid of your flesh, you're gone. You need your flesh. That's why you're here. If you get rid of this flesh and blood body, you're, you're out. You're either heading on your way to heaven, or someplace else waiting for judgment. But your flesh and the blood body is why you're still here on this earth. Now, be born of spirit. Once you're born with both, that's the ticket. That's the way in to being born again and to be part of the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So understand when you, if you're going to feed your spirit, it won't necessarily feed your flesh. You can go out there and listen to all the teaching and study the word all you want to. Your body you can still get hungry. You still need to go out there and eat some. You know, you're you you can start to lose some weight, you can start to to, uh waste away a little bit. You don't want to do that. You wanna you gotta keep your body up. You gotta find out what kind of foods that you need to put in it, put into it, good foods if you're gonna eat Twinkies all the day then you're probably not going to have as as good of a flesh and blood body. You've got to give your flesh body some things that the flesh body needs. It means you're going to need to give it some rest. You're going to need to give it some some, uh, water, some fluids. You're going to need to give it uh, some some good food, some substantial food. You've got to pay attention to that. Just because flesh is in spirit doesn't mean flesh isn't important. The Word of God says that bodily exercise profits a little. But the things of the spirit profit more. It's good to To keep your flesh and blood body going. So, that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. What is born of flesh will understand flesh. What is born of spirit, what is born of God, will understand the things of God. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, if you have Ever come to this passage before and you're hearing what Jesus is saying about flesh and spirit, how many have wondered what is this rabbit trail that Jesus is going down? Do not marvel that I said to you you must be born again. Don't marvel at that. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. Why are we talking about wind? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. I don't know where the wind came, I know the wind came from this direction, and it's blowing towards that direction, but where exactly it came from, I can't necessarily say. Why does he throw this in here? Well, you may not understand the wind. You may not understand where it came from. You may not even understand all the things that generate the wind, or how that wind came into being. But, that doesn't stop you from enjoying it. How many have ever been out there on a hot day and then all of a sudden a nice cool breeze comes up? Oh, cool breeze. Oh, that feels good. How many have ever stopped to think, well, wait a minute, I have to first of all understand where this breeze came from, how it generated, how long it's going to last before I can enjoy it? No, you just sit back there and do what? We just enjoy it. Oh, we got a nice breeze coming through here. This is good. Now, if it's cold out, we don't necessarily like that breeze. We don't want to... when all that wind coming on in. But if it's hot out and we get that breeze that it comes on down, that's great. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean you can't take advantage of it. You can do things that the that the wind helps out with. You can fly on an airplane. You can, if you like to sail, you can get a sailboat and let the the winds carry that that boat away. You can do things with the wind even though you don't understand it. This is the same thing with the With the teachings of the Spirit, I may not understand fully the things of the Spirit, but I can take advantage of them. I can utilize them. I can I can go after that. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now you may not under how many understand car engines. How many could um, How many really understand could take a car engine apart and put it back together again? Anybody? Nah, I couldn't. You could do that? Oh man, I know who I'm going to when I need some. I don't understand car engines a whole lot, and I'm sure that many people here, how many people would say, I don't understand car engines a whole lot. I understand maybe a little bit how they're working, but I don't, I wouldn't get involved and try and work the thing out, especially anymore. Now I heard it said before, way back in a a couple uh, decades ago, your owner's manual told you how to adjust your carburetor. Now it tells you don't drink the acid in the battery. Yeah, we kind of dumbed down ourselves a little bit. But just because you don't understand how the car engine works, does that stop any of you from taking your key, putting in the ignition, and turning it over and driving somewhere? I don't have to understand how the car works in order to utilize it make it work to my benefit. I don't need full understanding. Now, you might get partial understanding and begin to find out that a car engine works on internal combustion. Basically explosions. When you are driving on down the road, you are having multiple controlled explosions in the engine of that car. Explosions. You are taking a flammable liquid, and you are blowing it up in your engine on a constant basis. Beside that, you've got an entire tank of flammable liquid. Oil is circulating through the engine. Oil catches fire. And then add to that, you have electrical charges that are running through the car to run things. You have an alternator that generates electricity. So you have one part of the engine that's generating electricity, another part of the engine that is housing the oil, another part of the car that is housing the gas, lines that bring that gas up into the exploding chamber so that these explosions go on. And take you down to where you need to go. Now, if you begin to think about that a whole lot, you can get in fear. I got all these explosions. I got a tank full of flammable liquid back there. I've got electricity going all over. What if something gets out of whack and I blow up? And then all of a sudden, you're not taking advantage of it anymore because you have partial understanding. You don't quite understand everything that's there. You understand a little bit, and you come out with a natural understanding of, of it. That's going to keep you from from doing it. There are some things in the spirit that you will not understand completely people will try and come up with explanations complicated make it make it a mess for you I can think of this we, we don't go over it all the time but every once in a while I do I do go over these things creation the creation account people misunderstand this constantly and they think and we went down to um, the the ark that was down in what's the, was that Kentucky it's over in Kentucky, we went over there, and we had this, this uh, they had the Creation Museum. We went over to the Creation Museum, and we did enjoy it, but it made me mad. I think I told you the story when we came back, but it made me mad, because when you walk into the Creation Museum, you are greeted with two theories of the earth. One theory that the uh, earth is billions of years old, and the other theory that the earth is about 6,000 years old. And if you are spiritual, if you believe in the Bible, then you believe in the earth being 6,000 years old. If you are a scientist and believe more or not, then you're going to believe more in the 4 billion. I've never heard that, those two theories out there. It's hogwash, throw that stuff out. They're both wrong. They are both so terribly wrong. They are extremely wrong. I am amazed at how much people have messed up creation. It it just it shocks me. I get out there sometimes and I talk with people and they're we're, we're discussing things. And here's this messed up thinking. Because we don't understand the thing. I don't understand how God created the universe. That does not stop me from enjoying it. I thoroughly enjoy how God created the universe. But these nuts out there, they pass themselves off as Christians and theologians who try and say that the earth is 6,000 years old are a bunch of nuts and they'll be cast out of the church. Because you have to abuse the Bible to get to that. The Bible, the book of Genesis, I'm sure many of you already know this, The book of Genesis does not preach six days of creation. It does not preach it. It does not teach it. It does not suggest it. It does not even hint that the Lord created the earth in six days. doesn't even hint at that. I get so mad at the way people just abuse this because I can prove to them in two verses that that is all wrong. And most of these verses you all have memorized. In the beginning, God did, did what? God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. That's how Genesis reads. How many know that's how Genesis reads? And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the the deep or the ocean. Now, right there, I can prove to you that God did not create the earth in six days. I can prove it without a shadow of a doubt. But I'll show you this part first. The word create... In the Hebrew, there are two versions of the word create. One is, is asah and bara. Those are the two words. One is to create out of nothing. One is to create or form out of something. Put it to you this way Man, Adam, Adam was created out of the dust of the earth. He was formed out of the dust of the earth. He was made, something that was there was made into something else. His spirit was created out of nothing. His body was created out of something. That's the difference between it. Those two words are used in the book of Genesis, except when we come to the famed six-day account. When it says that God said, let there be light, and there was light, He did not create the sun. The Bible does not teach He created the sun. Theologians do. To me, stupid theologians. Because it does not use the word create. If God created the sun there, it would have used Asa or bara. It didn't use that. It used a word and is correctly translated, let there be light. Let the rules that operated before be in operation again. That's what it means. Now I go back to verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that is to create something out of nothing. That is the story of creation. It is right there. Now, how do you know that he didn't create? I can, I told you, I can prove it to you. The Spirit of God hovered over what? The surface of the deep or the ocean. It is impossible in this universe to have a planet with water that does not revolve around the sun. It is not possible to have a planet that has water that does not revolve around the sun. Because water exists in what uh, what, what uh, temperature range? 32, maybe a little bit lower for salt water, to about 220 degrees. Is that what 220 something? That's the boiling point becomes a gas. Above that it's a gas. Below that it's frozen solid. The only way that you can have water on the surface of a planet is to be within that small range by the universe of... Uh, uh, sway of temperatures. It's a very small area. It is not possible to have water in the state of H two O, water, liquid water, without a sun giving warmth to the earth to keep the earth within that frame. It is also not possible to have water on a planet that does not have that planet operating in a circular motion, operating, moving around the sun, generating its own gravity. If you don't have that, what happens to the water? floats away. This I'll tell you this also. Adam is not the first person to inhabit the earth. I can prove that to you from the Bible. He is not. He is the first person of the human race that is on here now. But there was a human race that was on here before, and the Bible supports it. Now, I don't have, I'm not going to get into all this. I could spend uh, two Sundays On this easily and show it all to you but it's in the word of god it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and remember the verse and the earth became or the earth was formless and void that word was means was or become either one can mean you go over to jeremiah and i forget whether it's jeremiah or isaiah they say specifically god did not create the world formless and void so if god did not create the earth formless and void then the earth became formless and void how did the earth go from a state of not being formless and void in the state that god created it to a state of becoming formless and void because judgment came upon the earth how do we know that there was a judgment that came upon the earth i'll give you a couple of scriptures i'm just giving i'm just giving this off the top of my head not really something i planned out here for today but in second peter it says that uh, peter talks about the flood talks about the flood that destroyed the world that then was. And most people think that is the flood of Noah. That is not the flood of Noah because Noah's flood did not destroy the world. It destroyed the people. The animals were kept intact on the ark. The plants continued to move on. It didn't destroy the world. But there was a flood that destroyed the world. That flood was the flood of Genesis chapter 1. Then the surface of the earth was covered with water. God had judged that earth that it was there. Now, how do you know that? It's simple. Go to the fall of Lucifer. How many remember the Bible talking about the fall of Lucifer? He said, God said, you descended from heaven. You came upon the earth and you brought the nations into rebellion or disobedience. You brought the nations. That's what it says. It says that, um, I believe it's Isaiah. You brought the nations into rebellion. What nations were on the earth? At the time that Satan fell. Well, it wasn't Adam. He was already fallen by the time Adam was here. So there were other, there was a nation here that God had started this whole thing. Things were going on. Now I could spend more time on this just off the top of my head and tell you some more, you, you'll find out where fallen angels come from. You'll find out where demon spirits come from. All these things make sense when you see all this stuff together. I believe somewhere back there in the podcast, we have this, and we've gone over it. If, you, if, it, if it's new to you, if you're curious about it, you know, don't go out there wondering. People take something from Genesis, and they try and teach something bogus like God created the earth in six days. And then you have to make a decision. Well, either I believe in science, that the earth is billions of years old, or I believe in the Bible. And that's wrong. I can believe that the earth is billions of years old, and believe my God created it. I don't know how he created it. I don't need to know how he created it. I, I probably could understand it anyway, if, if he told me. But I can still accept it, believe it. My God created the heavens and the earth. However he created it, is how he created it. I don't know how he created it. He didn't tell me all the details in the Word. He said in the Word, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There you go. That is creation. When he said, let there be light, he is merely saying, let what was operating before operate again because light was shielded from coming upon the earth, which extinguished all life. Even life that would live in the sea, all life was extinguished. And then God came back, and he remade the earth again. So, how many of that, is, is that new to anybody? Very new to a couple. All right, if, if any of you want to get more into that, uh, just let me know. It's up there somewhere. I'll find it for you. <laughs> Send you the link, and you can uh, spend some time. We've uh, gone through Genesis before. But I say all that just to let you know this. When we don't understand something that is spiritual, we come up with natural explanations. If I can't understand what God is doing in the six days of creation, I come up with a natural explanation that God created the earth in six days. And then we come up with all sorts of stuff outside of that. I don't know how long it took Him to create the earth. God's not on a time schedule. He does things as He wants to do them. He's not in a rush. He's very patient. He could have done it instantly. He could have done it over time. I don't know what he's doing. But whatever he did to create this universe, it is fascinating. The bigger the telescopes we get, the more we look out there, the more we see. It's still going on. Stars are still being birthed. Galaxies are floating around. Sometimes the galaxies collide and all kinds of other things happen. It's amazing what's going on out there. And God did all that. So you may not understand how being born again works, but you can still reap the benefit of it. Don't sit there trying to figure out all the things, how God did something. Just be glad. When you were young and you needed money and you went to mom and you went to dad and said, mom, dad, I need $20. Did you try and figure out how they earned it? How they got it? Then where'd they get it from? Did they go to the the, uh, cash machine? Did they go to the grocery store? Did they find it? You don't care about any of that, do you? You say, Mom, Dad, can I have $20? Mom or Dad, they give you $20, and you go off, and then you enjoy that $20 that they gave you without having to know all the ins and outs about it. You were fine. Well, trying to receive spiritual understanding through natural application will always lead to one being bewildered or accepting error. It will always lead to that. God will give you understanding on some things, and he'll help you understand understand the things of God better. But in the meantime, I don't understand it. I accept it. I don't understand the Trinity. I don't exactly understand how three can be one. I, I, I can't completely fathom that, but I can accept it, and I can believe it. So the better question instead of how is what do I need to do? I don't need to know how my car works. What I need to know is, what do I do? How many still have one of those old-fashioned cars that has a key? And you put the key in the ignition, and then you turn the key, and it goes on. Most of the cars anymore, they have push buttons. I feel robbed going to a car, and you, you push the button. There's just something about putting the key in the ignition and turning the key. I like that. Raising up our grandkids on that, too. They uh, they know how to turn my car on. They can put the key in the ignition, and it it's fun because it's the old-fashioned kind. Put the key, turn. My wife has the old-fashioned kind. Put the key in, turn. Oh, we like that. That's that's fun. Of course, they're all smart keys, even our, our older ones. And if you don't have the right key, you put it in, you turn, nothing happens. <laughs> so you have to make sure you get a smart key. How many remember the days you could just go on down to the hardware store and get any old key, have them cut it and put that in there? You could just slip it in your wallet, and carried around, I used to have one carried around my wallet all the time, and it would work, it would do fine. But anymore, no, you got to have that fat thing that has the the uh, smart chip in it. Well, understanding how to implement is far more important than understanding how it works. Nicodemus says in verse nine, Nicodemus answered and said to him, "How can these things be?" He's still asking the how questions. I don't understand. How can this happen? He's still trying to get his natural mind to understand what his spirit should be receiving. Verse 10, then Jesus answered and said to him. Now, here's where we get into the teaching of the born being born again. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Kind of like Jesus expects him. You're going to be a teacher. You ought to be knowing these things. Why don't you know these things? How can you be a teacher of Israel and not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. Now, have you ever been in a place where you've heard somebody come and they testify, hey, I saw this. It was down over there on this road, down on 611, down on 309. I saw this. This happened. They're, wit- they're a witness of the account and they're telling you and say, oh, that can't be true. That's not right. You don't believe their witness. Their witness, no, no, I really, I saw it. This is what happened. And until you see the videotape or you see it on the news, oh, I guess that was so. You didn't believe the witness. This is what Jesus is saying. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive Our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So if I tell you things that are natural and you don't believe those, how are you going to believe things that are heavenly, that come down from heaven? So Jesus seems to expect you ought to know these things. You ought to have an understanding of these things so that you can teach the people that are around you. Does he have an expectation of you? for what he has called you into. He probably does, doesn't he? He's got an expectation. He probably looks down at me and says, Steve, uh, I have an expectation that you walk in these things and we, we certainly hope that we're walking in the things that he wants us to be walking in as he wants us to go, but we may not be. Belief is the key, though. There are some things, verse 10 tells us this, you do not know, he said, Jesus answered and said to him, You do not know these things. If you don't know things, you can't teach them. How many of y'all know if you don't know algebra, you can't teach algebra? If you don't know history, you can't teach history. If you don't know English, you can't teach English. you got to know it. Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. But he said, you don't receive our witness. So you do not know. Belief is the key. You do not know, first off. Secondly, you don't believe our, our witness. You don't receive our witness. So there are some things I don't know about, but then I have somebody who is a witness of those things telling me, and I don't want to believe that. What are you basing it on if I don't know the things of heaven, if I don't know the things of God, and I have somebody who comes and witnesses to me the things of God, and I say, I don't believe it. I don't know the things and I'm not receiving your testimony. How ridiculous is that? This is the person that has seen it. This is the person who has been there. This is the person who understands it. This is the person who walks in it. You don't. But he says you don't receive our witness. The third thing he says, you, you do not believe. You do not believe. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe... I've told you things. These are things that you can touch. These are things you can see. You can understand the sun rising. You can understand the things about the tide. You can see that these are natural things. If you can't receive the natural things, how are you going to receive the spiritual things? You've got to be born of spirit in order to understand the spiritual things. But you are already born of water and you don't understand the natural things. If you, being born of water, don't understand the natural things, how are you, not born of the Spirit, going to understand spiritual things? So it's important that we understand the things of the Spirit. How can these things be? He's still trying to get some answers that his natural mind can understand before his spirit receives it. Your spirit has to receive the things of God first and teach your mind. I think we went over that before. Your spirit receives the things of God and then it teaches your mind. That's why when I get revelation from God, God speaks to my spirit and a thing, I know my mind can't grasp it. So I write it down. I just write down whatever He told me. I write it down. And then I meditate on it. And I try and teach my mind that thing. Because if I don't understand it, I can't hang on to it. i got to get in there and understand it. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of the law? Or, teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things. Get to know the things of God. Learn these things. Now, with men, when we have unrealized expectations, when we are are out there and you have expectations, your parents put expectations on you, your boss put expectations on you, your kids put expectations on you. There's expectations that are on you. How many feel like you have expectations other people have for you? A couple people do. All right. Rest of you, just aren't living. There's expectations that are out there. With men, when you have people, when we have unrealized expectations, they can come with, first off, condemnation. How many have ever felt condemned from people because you didn't live up to their expectations? Ever felt condemned at work because you didn't live up to the boss's expectations? Ever felt condemned at home because you didn't live up to mom and dad's expectations? Ever felt condemned with some of your friends because you didn't live up to their expectations? With men, we face condemnation. We can face criticism. Have you faced criticism at work because you didn't get something done the way it was supposed to be done? And there's criticism that's there. And people are, why didn't you do this? They don't know the whole story, what kept you from doing it, but there's criticism. Criticism rises up. This is the things that come from men. This is the things that are natural. We have condemnation. We have criticism. And third, we have contempt. These are things, you can probably have a much longer list than this. I'm just giving you three things. These are things that come from people when we have unrealized expectations. But with God, it's different. With God, it's different. Too often, we put what people do to us on God. We put what is born of flesh on God who is of spirit. Because that's all I understand. And we look at God and say, well, God must be disappointed in me because every time that I don't do what people feel like I should do, when I have these unrealized expectations at work, unrealized expectations at home, when these things come up, people greet me with condemnation. I hear criticism, I hear contempt from people. So God must do this same thing. And so when I miss it, when I'm not quite coming up to par with what God wants to do, I feel like from Him, I'm receiving condemnation, contempt, criticism. And this is, and the devil loves filling your head with this. He'll tell you, yeah, God thinks that you're a nobody. God is done with you. God is so fed up with the way that you've lived your life. And we get all this condemnation, and we think it comes from God. We are taking what is flesh and putting it upon what is spirit. But with God, when we are not realizing our, our uh, potential when we are not meeting up to the expectations that He may have for us in the Word, when we're not doing the things that are supposed to be there, we find out that He has empowerment. Remember Gideon? The the angel of the Lord comes down to Gideon and he says, Hey, mighty man of valor. What? Me? (laughs) Mighty man of valor. He comes in, he empowers him. He is not living up to what God sees he can be. But he comes up there and he empowers him. He speaks things to him, David. When he's growing up, he's facing condemnation. He's facing criticism from his family, from his father. But when he gets out there in the world, suddenly people begin to edify him and build him up. David has slain his his uh, tens of thousands. He feels empowered by them. With God, God will empower you. He doesn't put you down. He speaks things to you to help you. He speaks. Secondly, encouragement. He will encourage you in, in your walk. People won't always do that. They won't always encourage you in your walk. Third, He gets enjoyment out of you. How many of you know that God gets enjoyment out of you? He just enjoys watching you grow up. He enjoys seeing you overcome things. He gets enjoyment out of you. You need to have that, make sure you have that with your kids. Make sure you have that with your employees. Get enjoyment out of them. Don't make work so tedious. Look at it, look forward to going into work. Look forward to putting in the people, to encouraging them, to empowering them, to helping them. If you will do this with your kids, if you will make sure that you stay on the God side, on the spirit side with your kids, that you are empowering, that you are encouraging, that you are enjoying, if you will stay on that side, you will be teaching your children the spiritual side of God and not the flesh side of man. And then when your kids grow up, they begin to see God as this spiritual person who empowers, who encourages. Instead of this one who criticizes and has contempt for them. you got to be real careful as a parent that you don't spread this to the kids. That you don't put contempt on them. That you don't put condemnation on them. you got to find ways to do what God does. Because you are not only helping them, but you are teaching them that God is the God who empowers. God is the God who encourages. God is the God who enjoys us. But too often, go over to the Walmart, just walk around, you're going to find some people that are doing the condemnation, criticism, and contempt thing, and those kids are not enjoying things at home, and as soon as they can, they're going to get out of there. Verse 13, John chapter 3. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Now, at this point, no one had ascended to heaven. Everyone who died, who died as of uh, believing in God and looking to salvation, went into what was called Abraham's bosom. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he took those people up into heaven. But up until this point, no one had gone to heaven. But he came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. How many remember the story in the Old Testament where the serpents went around biting the children of Israel because of their disobedience? These serpents appeared... And they were biting them and they were dying. And so what they did was they took a pole and they took a snake and they wrapped it around the pole and God said, take that pole and lift it up in the congregation and whoever looks at the pole with the snake on it, they will be healed. Now if you look at the uh, emblem they have in the medical industry with the snake, that's where they got it from. They got it from this story with Moses. Because Moses took this thing and uh, wrapped it around it. All you had to do was look. You didn't have to become good. You didn't have to do something. All you had to do was have faith that if I look upon that pole and that serpent that Moses put around the pole, if I look on it, then I will be healed. All it is is faith in that act. There are people, I'm sure, who are saying, I don't believe that. I'm not going to do it. I can't understand how looking at a snake on a pole is going to affect me, and they died. But all they had to do was look at the snake on the pole and believe the word that God spoke through Moses. Just look at the snake and you will be healed. And the word of God tells us they were healed. In fact, they took that snake on the pole and they uh, carried it around for a while and it eventually became something idolatrous for Israel. So they had to destroy it. So it was gone, but that's later on in the, in the Bible. So he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So Moses did this. He did it as a type of Christ. That all we need to do is look upon what Jesus did on the cross and we shall be saved. That's it. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter how many times you come to God and wandered away. He says whoever believes in Him. All we have to do is understand that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, and that brings us into a place of being born again. How does it do it? I don't know. But I don't have to know to enjoy it. I just do what he said to do. I know how to implement it. I know how to put the key in the car and turn it over, apply the gas, steering wheel, all that sort of stuff. I know how to make it go. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Boy, we all know that verse, don't we? That's the setting for it. And this conversation he has with Nicodemus explaining how to be born again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why would God do that? It says you right there, because God loved the world. But I thought God was mad with me because you believed in theologians, because you believed in stupid people who are trying to, from the flesh, define God for you. Or tell you what God is about. In order to understand who God is, you've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to receive the revelation He gives. And then you can go on and you can teach it. God's expected and Nicodemus can teach this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. All you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ came into this earth, died on the cross for my sins. That's all you got to do is believe that. Receive the work that Jesus did. You shall have everlasting life. You will be born again. For God did not send His His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's not like I sent... Jesus in the world to condemn them. Sent him here to save them. Now, when you get to the serpent, there were no works that were involved. When you get to Jesus, there's no works that are involved. That's why we have communion. That's why we go over that all the time. Because God wants us to remember, it's the work that Jesus did. Don't add to it. You just got to look upon it, just like they did. Verse 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, you can use your outside hands on this one if if you want to. How many have ever heard it taught that how can a loving God condemn a world to hell? How can a loving God send people to hell? How can that happen? And they try and use this as an explanation for why God's not sending anyone to hell, because a loving God couldn't do that. What this verse is telling you, what Jesus is teaching you here, is that he is not condemning anyone God is not condemning anyone to hell you are born in this earth you came under the flesh you are already on a path to condemnation you're already there because of Adam Adam was the the first one, first one of our race of people he was the first one Jesus Christ is called the second Adam here's the first Adam because of what the first Adam did in the garden We are all condemned because we are born of that Adam. But Jesus Christ came victorious over sin and died on the cross for our sins. If I believe that He did that, if I believe and I receive that, then I am born again and I receive eternal life. And I can be born of spirit. Now I can receive the things of the spirit and not just the things of the flesh. That's what He wants us to understand. He is not here to condemn us. We are already condemned. I am already on my way to hell. But he sent his son. All you got to do is look on this. That won't happen. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why. You're condemned because you don't believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you believed in him, you wouldn't be condemned. You would have been brought out of that condemnation. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. If you're doing evil, you want to cover up the things that show what you're doing as evil. you got to cover it up. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So if I fully understand what salvation is, I am no longer ashamed of the things that I have done in the past. I'm no longer trying to cover them up because God has redeemed me from that past. God has redeemed me from that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I walked in that. Glory to God, I am set free. I am free from condemnation. I believe in Jesus Christ and I was born of the flesh, but I didn't stay there. I became born of the Spirit and I became born again. And we walk in that. And then the devil has no power over you. He's trying to hold the threat. We're going to bring to light all those things you did. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. That's right. Jesus already covered them up. Jesus already taken care of it. But people that are of darkness, they don't have that. They got to feel like I got to cover up all the things that I did. I got to conceal it. Because it comes to the light. Things will change. If I believe in what is false and what is false according to God, not false according to people. If I believe in what is false, I will continue a life of condemnation. Believe in what is true and there is no condemnation. Now, i put this in here for you. Four things. Belief brings actions, thoughts, hopes, and desires. Whatever you believe, it will bring you to a point of action. If you believe that your car needs gasoline, how many of y'all know it will bring you to a point of action? And you will show up at the, the pump and put gasoline into the car because you believe it needs gasoline to run. That belief causes an action. If you didn't believe it, somebody came up and said, well, you know, that car needs gas. No, it doesn't. And you keep on driving, and it doesn't work anymore. Your belief will bring actions. It will bring thoughts. You have thoughts in your head because of what you believe. If you believe the economy is going uh, down, you'll have thoughts in your head. If you believe your job may not be around, you have thoughts in your head. If you believe that you will prosper on your job and that God will help you, you have thoughts in your head. Whatever you believe will create thoughts. Whatever you believe will bring hope. Things that I look for in the future. Because I believe this, I know heaven is out there for me. Because I believe this, I'm not afraid of the judgment of God. I have hope in there. And it will breed, uh, bring in desires. You will desire the things of God because you're born of spirit. If you're only born of flesh, you will desire the things of the flesh. But if you become born of the spirit, you desire the things of the spirit. And things will change for you. No longer do I just desire fleshly things. I desire spiritual things. And God can speak to me in my spirit. And I can hear those things. put this in your outline for you. Doing what God says to do is far more important than understanding what God says to do. Doing what God says to do is far more important than understanding what God says to do. If God says, Thou shalt not, I don't need to understand why doing it's going to hurt me. All I need to do is, Thou shalt not. If God said that, then I believe that's going to hurt me. I believe Things aren't going to come out too well if I go ahead and do that. Doing what God says to do is far more important than understanding what God says to do. Believing what God says is far more important than understanding what God says. If God says, He created the universe. I believe it. I don't understand it, but I believe it. I can have belief without understanding. Believing what God says is more important than understanding what God says, but you can get yourself to the place you can understand what God says too. Blessing whom God says to bless is far more important than understanding why God said to bless them. If God puts on my heart to bless certain people, to go out there, how many have ever had somebody, God says, go bless them. Pay for something for them. Uh, help them do whatever it is. It just came on you. You went out there and you just did that. You blessed them. You did something for them. Because it was in your heart to do God said, go out there and do this. Go out there and help this person. And so you followed it. And you went out there. And it's far more important that you do what God said to do. That you bless whom God said to bless. Then you understand it. Then you figure it out. Because you can cut off the hand of God blessing you. By not doing what he says to do in that area. You can cut off things that God wants to send your way. By not doing what God says to do. Giving what God says. If God says to give this or do this. You do it. And we're not just talking about money. God may say, go get some of your time and help this person over there. Well, you give it. Why? Because God said so. But I don't think they deserve it. Don't look at the flesh. Look at the spirit. What's the spirit saying to you? What's the spirit speaking to you? Spirit says, I should do this. Then go out there and do it. Don't understand it. Don't feel like you have to understand it. Go out there and do it. Speaking what God says is far more important than understand what God is saying when I speak it. If God says, say this, think this, do this, just go out there and do it. You don't have to figure it all out. In His Word, He says, think on these things. In His Word, He says, speak words of edification. In His Word, He says, speak, we speak those things because He said it. I don't understand completely how it works. I don't have to understand completely how it works. All I need to do is obey it. God says, do this, I do it. If your boss says to you, I need you, I'm going to give you this job, I'm going to become your boss, and I need you to show up for work at 8 o'clock. Do you say, well, why do you need me to come in at work at 8 o'clock? What do you do? You show up at 8 o'clock. If you're industrious, you show up at 745. If you're real industrious, show up at 7. (laughs) You get in there. If you said you need me here at this time, then I will be here at this time. I don't question. I don't try and find out why do I have to be here so early? What if I have a rough night? What if I No, we just go. We just do it. Same thing with God. If God says, I need you to do this, I need you to give, I need you to bless, I need you to speak, we just get out there and do it. Are you spending more time trying to understand what God has said instead of doing what God has said? Boy, we can sometimes do that. I spend all this time trying to figure out, well, why is God saying this? There's a story in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came, and the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This goes right along with what Thomas was was doing. I need to see it. I need to have my flesh understand it i need to i saw what i saw in the flesh what i saw with jesus dying on the cross that was very real to me i need to see something just as real in order for me to believe he didn't believe the testimony he didn't believe the word of the other disciples when they came and said we have seen him he was alive he appeared to us he didn't believe the testimony jesus saying to the pharisee nicodemus you don't believe the testimony you have to get to the place where you believe the testimony that god has said and the testimony we have is in his word i believe his word If His Word teaches it to me, I believe it. I just believe it. He goes on, verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in His name. This is why the Word of God is here for us. That's why we we read our chapter every day. If you haven't been reading your chapter every day, don't bother trying to catch up. Just start with where we're at. Just pick up and read one chapter a day, five days a week. If you miss a day during the week, pick it up on the weekend and read, read something there. You're in the Word. You're reading. You're letting the Spirit of God speak to you because I got to get to know His Word. I can't count how many times I've covered, I have read the Bible cover to cover. I don't know. I lost count. When I graduated from high school, I read it five times. Five times, cover to cover, front to back, read the entire thing. By the time I graduated high school, I read it five times. Since then, I have no idea. No idea how many times I've read it. I don't care anymore because I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. i got to get into the Word. i gotta, I got to learn more Word. i got to know this thing. There's still more in there that I've accepted on the flesh level. i got to get into the Spirit level. i got to have the Spirit of God speak to me some things. And if you're available on Wednesday night, we're going to speak to you about some things that will capitalize right on this when we talk about the Sword of the Spirit. If you can tune in on Wednesday night, do that. Well, we've been going over all the parts of the armor. and This is what's going to help you in your battle, in your fight. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. That's a simple message of salvation. It is that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Once we're saved, we are born of the Spirit. We are born of flesh and we're born of the Spirit. If I'm born of the Spirit, that means what God speaks to me, I can understand. So I can go to God and say, God, I am born of Spirit. If I am born of Spirit, I can receive the things of your Spirit. Speak to me about this, this passage. Speak to me about the situation in my life. Speak to me about this thing that I'm facing. And he will speak to you in a spiritual, he will give you spiritual revelation. He will speak down in your spirit, you'll get it. Oh, that's God speaking to me. And then you teach it to your head. You don't get spiritual revelation in your head. You get it in your spirit. God will speak it to you. No matter how how old you are either. You can be super young. Sometimes it's easier because we don't know enough to disbelieve what God has said. The younger we are, the more we can sometimes hear. Sometimes we've gotten so uh, calloused because of all the things we've been through that we're not, uh, not able to do that. But let's pray. Father God, you see, each one of us here today, I thank you that we have been born of flesh, and born of spirit. If anyone here is not born of spirit, Father, we can take care of that here right now. Just raise your hand up right now. I want to be born of spirit, not just born of flesh. I want to be born of spirit. I want to receive the working power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that in us you do a change. Oh, you do a change. We're not flesh creatures trying to understand the things of the spirit. We're spirit creatures able to hear the things of God and when we hear your revelation when you speak to us about our life when you speak to us about our families when you speak to us about our job when you speak to us about our money when you speak to us in any way we can hear it we don't spend so much time on the how does God but we look at what can I do what can I do help us Father Father to get over into that area to not be sitting back questioning and waiting until we understand everything in our flesh but if we get something in the spirit we will operate we will work we will go not always asking questions well how does this happen how about this, how about this thing over here well what happens here no when we get to the things from the God, yes sir we'll do it we'll just turn the key in the ignition all the things that are happening underneath the hood of the car really don't matter as long as we know how to make the thing work and you told us in your word how to make it work i thank you for it and give you the praise and the glory in the name of jesus we pray amen well glory to god it's good to have you here on this rainy day i got a question though for you how many people have never heard of charles Caps? anybody ever heard of I, I was thinking there might be some people that never heard uh this this guy he passed away in 2014 and I I used to listen to his stuff all the time. I've read a lot of his books. He has a lot of books out there. And um, I believe one of them that really hit me, I think is Success Motivation through the Word, I think is one of them that he, he did. Uh, but he's got a number of books out. I probably have done more with his books than his teaching. But uh, I was listening. My wife and I were on our way somewhere. And we were listening. And his name came up and said, oh, I haven't looked up him for a while. So I looked up one of Charles Capp's things. And that's going to be your teaching tomorrow. You're going to get to hear. He's an old guy. (laughs) He's an old guy. Uh, But he is such a word guy. He is just constantly in the word when he's teaching. Just in the word, in the word, in the word. I just love the, the basic thing he comes out with. He is not a pastor. He is a teacher. There are two, three, four topics he teaches on. And that's it. That's his calling. That's what he's here to do. He will help you change your words. He will help you change your belief. He will help you in a whole lot of things. So that's coming up tomorrow. It is a two-parter. It is usually we get an hour teaching. It's a two-parter divided into a half hour each. So the first one is a half hour. The second one's a half hour. So I gave you both links. You had the part one and part two. And you start listening to those things on YouTube. You know, other things will, will come up. You'll probably see some other things from, from him as well. I saw a couple that aren't video teaching. It's just him speaking. And just, uh, you know, the... The graphic they have up on the, on the things. So I guess they took it off of the tape somewhere. Still good. But, uh, these are ones where he was actually teaching in a church. And so it gives you a chance to, to, uh, come to him. But I, I've always enjoyed Brother Caps and the things that he, uh, he taught us. Some wonderful principles that we have from there. So that's coming up for you tomorrow. It'll show up at 11. When we put these things up, I put these out on Monday. Not because I expect you all to hit it on Monday. But I put it out there on Monday so that sometime during the week you can get to it. So for some of you, it's Monday. Some of you might be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever it is, but this way you have it. And whenever you have an opportunity, you can put that thing on and you can listen and have some fun. Wednesday night, we're going to be on the Sword of the Spirit. You want to see what this thing is about. There's a whole lot of people that are wielding what they think is the Sword of the Spirit, but it is not what the Word of God teaches is the Sword of the Spirit, nor will you find anyone doing it. But we're going to show you some things that the Word does teach that the Sword of the Spirit is, and then we're going to show you some people who used it. That'll be on Wednesday night. You can tune in on 7.30 and hear our, our spot there. And one more thing before we go. If anyone needs this, I've mentioned every once in a while, we have a email list. There's a Sunday list and there is a Wednesday list. They are different lists. I'll put, I'll put anyone on either one or both. Once you're one, I don't go in and I'm picking them all. You don't want it this week? No. If you don't want it, delete it. But on the Wednesday one, you get the outline for the Wednesday teaching. On the Sunday one, you get the outline for the Sunday service, like we put out in your bulletin, and you get a digital copy of the bulletin. So if ever you can't make it, you've got the digital copy right there. You can look through it and see all the things that are going on with that. So if you want to be on any of those lists, you just got to let me know, and I will put you on the... I don't sell the list or give the list out to anybody. If you want to be on the list, great. If you want to get off the list, that's fine too. But we have it there. Just want to make sure that you all are aware. Sometimes I talk to people, oh, I didn't know you did that. Yep, we had this out there. And if you only miss one Sunday a month, but you still want to get on the list for that one Sunday you're not here, feel free to do that. I'm happy to do so. It's no problem at all for me to put other people on the list, but you just got to let me know that you wanted to do that. You can text me. Just give me an uh, address that you want to do. We'll see some of you here on Wednesday night. Have a great rest of the week.